So, welcome back to a brand new episode of Teen to Life. I'm here with Jay Timms. Jay Timms is a, owns his own, he, he, he's a mentor and speaks to, um, speaks on different events to different leaders or different business um, executives that try to level up their business or open up something bigger. Um, so to shorten that, you're an inspirational speaker. Um, and I'd love to ask you some further questions about how you got to your position and where, 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 where this all came from of you wanting to speak to the public. Because in most eyes, or most kids' eyes, or anyone, public speaking is, is a really feared thing. And there's been a survey that was done that said that public, uh, the survey asked a few questions. It said, what are you most scared of? On the list, there were multiple questions, uh, multiple um, answers. The two answers that were there was death and uh, public speaking. Mm -hmm. And there turned out to be 60% of the people that were on that said they're more afraid of public speaking than anything else on that list. Mm -hmm. That's pretty big. So I just wanted to ask you about why public speaking and why does that not scare you like other people? Sure. Um, well, I mean, to add some depth to what you said, you know, public speaking is one of the things that I do. Uh, I'm an organizational psychologist, and so really what my role is in my job is I work with companies who are looking to figure out how to deepen culture and employee engagement. And so I go in and I show them how to be able to do that. And yeah, part of that is public speaking. Part of it is, you know, going into their offices and, and speaking to large groups, uh, keynote speaking, doing conferences and things like that. Um, so, you know, y y your question was, uh, why do I do it or, or how do I not get afraid? I think, you know, it's kind of like anything in life. Um, if you do it enough times, you start to get used to it and you get good at it. Um, hopefully you get good at it. Um, I mean, I still like, um, I was, I, I was speaking to a, a group, um, just a, a few weeks ago and, and I got up and the first couple of minutes, sure, I'm nervous, but at the same time, I also recognize that I've spent a lot of time preparing for what I've done and I've done it over and over and over. I've probably, I mean, the first time I did public speaking, I was nine years old and I spoke to a group of like 30 people or 40 people and and um, so it's just something that I've done for my entire life um, just to give you a little background on me you know when I was in high school I was the I was the nerd in high school I was the kid that that got beaten up and, and shoved in lockers and all of that sort of stuff um, and um, I grew up wanting to help people <laughs> I realized that I didn't have a lot of people back then to help me um, figure out who I was and what I was good at. And so what I did was I spent most of my life trying to figure out how to help people. And it's just, it snowballed into lots of school, um, uh, lots of jobs, lots of different opportunities. And it's brought me to the point now where I get to spend my entire, I was going to say my entire day, I guess my entire life, um, going into companies and helping them realize how amazing their people are. So mm -hmm. that's where I'm at. And some of the companies you helped were Microsoft, uh, UBC, SFU, Chipotle, just to name a few. What exactly did you help these companies with? Did you help them grow from zero to where they are now? Or did you give them some little uh, tips and tricks? And what, were the, and what were some of the tips? Sure. Uh, I think, 
you know, each of the companies that I've worked for, I've done different things. You know, you, you named some pretty big names there, Microsoft, UBC, uh, Chipotle. Um, so when I did uh, working with Microsoft and UBC, I was asked to come in and speak into particular groups of faculty or particular groups of leaders. And a lot of stuff that they wanted to know was, how do I be effective in my role as a leader or as a professor and still have a life outside? So work-life balance. Mm -hmm. Um, and um, so there's there's a lot of different levels that you can participate in in different companies. Um, with Chipotle, um, I worked with Chipotle for eight and a half, nine years, and my job was to develop Western Canada for them. So I was there when they when we opened the first restaurant in BC, and I took Chipotle from one restaurant to eleven restaurants. Um, I took them for from four million dollars in sales up to sixty four million dollars in sales a year, um, and and so really it was that was about developing the company, developing the people, setting the foundation, figuring out uh, organizational strategies, um, and really driving organizational change. Um, so each of the companies, like I haven't come across a lot of companies that are honestly great at everything um, mm -hmm. we're not because we're we're all led by people and people right. are idiots you know i mean that's the only way to put it we, we make mistakes we do stupid things and so really every company out there has something that they want to improve on and so really that's my job and my role is to go in and do a bunch of scientific experiments and research to understand where are they struggling and how do i get them to the goal that they want to get to does that answer that question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, you, on one, on, I watched one of your videos and you mentioned the octopus method. Mm-hmm. Um, could you just explain how that works? Uh, because from my understanding, it's learning how you could grapple many things at once. Yep. And balance that and balance your time. How is, 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 is that kind of what it is? It is, for sure. I mean, that's, that's part of it. Um, uh, in, in that instance, I'm speaking to uh, executive CEOs. Um, you know, at one point I had, at Chipotle, I had 750 people that worked for me. And um, so being able to, and, and running 11 restaurants and opening new restaurants and dealing with this and that and the other thing, trying to be profitable, it's, it's overwhelming. It's, it's really overwhelming. And so when I talk about the octopus method, what I talk about is, is that, you know, I would love to be able to have, um, I, I don't know if you know who Calvin and Hobbes is. Yeah. Okay, so Calvin and Hobbes, um, they, there's this little cartoon, and Calvin, uh, in his imagination, creates a box yeah, yeah, that yeah. duplicates himself. It's the duplicator. Um, and that really is what the octopus method is all about, is it's being able to duplicate yourself. It's finding people in your organization that are intelligent, really kind of get what you're doing and what the mission is, and have really bought into it. And taking the time to be able to, and I used to say this to my employees, if I could, I would literally crack my head open, take my brain out and implant it in every single one of the people that worked for me. Because what that would do is that would give them the knowledge and the experience that I have. Because a lot of the people that, that worked for me were between the ages of 18 and 35. Um, okay. And so, you know, I've been around for a little while. I've done a few things. And so really it's about creating this environment where you identify key people 
in your life who can help you accomplish your goals. You know, I think about you, I think about high school students. How do you duplicate yourself? How do you manage things? Well, I mean, you guys are busy. You've got, you've got your school, you've got your assignments, you've got extracurricular activities, you've got family responsibilities, you've got, uh, uh, many of you have jobs. So there's a whole bunch of different things that you have to be able to do. Well, part of the way to do that is by prioritizing, understanding what's important. And I realize what I'm about to say, there, if there's any parents listening, they're gonna kill me. But, you know, I went to 12 years of, of higher education, of university. I can honestly tell you that there were times where I was like, I don't have the mental capacity to be able to complete this assignment. So, I'm gonna get rid of it. I'm going to ignore it because this one assignment doesn't impact my grade a lot. It's not something that's going to, it's a, it's a time, I'm not gonna call it a time waster, but it, it is um, a time thief, we'll call it. And so there are, in your life, you have to recognize what your priorities are. What do you really want to be able to accomplish? And when you understand what those priorities are, that's where you focus your energy. Other stuff, you can give it to other people. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, when you get into a, you know, a, a business world um, and start leading or, or things like that, you can delegate. But um, it's really about understanding what your priorities are and figuring out how you can get those done the most effectively. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And you, you, you mentioned that setting assignments aside that you weren't able to do. Yep. I feel like there's a problem with that in for sure in in, in my school and they uh, a lot of students uh, label la label themselves as you know I I can't do this assignment mentally when they actually can they're just being lazy and don't want to sure. do it absolutely so there has to be a boundary to that on 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 some assignments that you actually can't do and assignments that you can do but you're just being lazy and putting it under the umbrella of I can't do them. Yeah, I think, um, and with all due respect to, to you and your generation, I think that there are, um, uh, there's this misconception that life should be all about you and about your needs and your wants and if it doesn't fit into your particular schema, um, it's either bad, gaslighting, whatever. And unfortunately, that's not reality. Right. That's not reality. And I agree with you. You know, they, you have to be able to um, uh, recognize that, like, for instance, I, I really do not feel like going to karate tonight. That's what I've, I've got after this. I'm exhausted. I've had a busy day. I've got a lot of things. And it's going to hurt because I'm old. But guess what? I'm going because I have to push myself in uncomfortable places. I, I often say that, that comfort is like sugar. It may feel good and taste good in the moment. Eventually, it's going to kill you. Right. And yeah. so, as a high school student, um, my really, really strong suggestion, if you want to learn how to be successful in life, get uncomfortable. Stop trying to find comfort because life is not comfortable. It's tough. It's hard. It will, uh, to use a, a, um, a phrase from Rocky, uh, one of the Rocky movies, it will beat you down. And if you are sitting there complaining about how hard things are, like it, it's not going to get any better. So get up off the canvas, get off off the floor, get to work and work hard. What I mean by taking those assignments is recognizing 
when you get maturity and with the counsel of your parents, your teachers, your, your mentors, when you get to that point where you go, this is negatively impacting how I'm going to accomplish my priorities. That's when you have to be able to, to find that balance. And, and you're right. You know, I think in grade 11, grade 12, that's kind of hard to be able to do, to recognize that. But um, like I said, I think really be okay with being uncomfortable because you're going to be uncomfortable for the rest of your life. I promise you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, we'll step aside a little bit sure. towards um, job interviews. Yep. And you've 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 been you've you've seen a lot of job interviews happen. Yep. Um, what tips could students use to for uh, they could use for the interviewer to remember them? Mm -hmm. uh, you spoke on one of your videos about. Um, attaching a personal story mm -hmm. to 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 why you want this job or whatever and that would make that, that would build an emotional connection between you and the person you're uh, the person who is interviewing you yep. and that would make them remember you right because after 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 they interview you they got a whole lineup of other students and other people who want that job um, what are some tips that you've learned that you know work that students could use on their next job interview to guarantee them the job? Sure. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you things not to do. Not to do. I think that that's a good way to start and then we'll transition into how do you really get yourself to stand out in the interviewer's mind. If you have a piece of paper and you're listening to this, write this down please. Number one, do not go into an interview with a friend. Don't walk into the <laughs> People interview. People do that? Oh my gosh. All the time. I was sitting at, um, oh my goodness. I was sitting at a restaurant doing a, having a meeting the other day and I'm sitting there waiting for the guy and these two girls come in, obviously late high school students. One of them is literally on the phone as they walk in there and um, talking to somebody and they decided to come in together to apply because they're friends. Uh -huh. Neither one of them will ever, ever get hired, <laughs> especially if I'm the, if I'm, I'm the hiring manager because mm -hmm. I'm not hiring you to uh, maintain your social career. I'm hiring you because I want you to be committed and dedicated to me. So that's number one. Mm -hmm. Do not show up with a friend. <laughs> okay. Number two is when you walk into a restaurant, or pardon me, again, I'm thinking Chipotle. So when you walk into an interview, make sure that you understand the company. You need to do your research. You really need to do your research because a lot of times an interviewer will say, why do you want to work at, and I'll just use Chipotle. Right. Because I know for sure that you have also just gone and applied at um, uh, Panago and at this place and that place and whatever and you're just trying to find the first job. So if you don't know anything about my company, I don't want to invest my time in you. Um, so don't walk into an interview not knowing anything about the company. I think another don't do is um, know the business. So for instance, if you are um, applying at uh, grocery store. Let's say you're applying at a grocery store. Know when the busiest times are at the grocery store. Do not walk in the door during the busiest times. 
worst thing to do. People walk into restaurants at 12.15 and go, hi, I'd like to talk to the manager. No, I'm in the kitchen cooking food, washing this, doing that, whatever. I don't have time to sit down and talk to you. Know the company and know when their busy times are and don't show up at the busy times. I did that exact mistake to me. Um, I was, I wanted to apply for a job over the summer at a restaurant. It was, um, anyway, whatever, a uh, restaurant. And uh, I came at the busiest time mm -hmm. and I, I did get to talk to the manager um, just about you know what, what, what they're looking for, what I'm looking for. And he said, don't ever uh, for your future um, job interviews, don't ever come in during a busy time because everyone's busy, everyone's on their nerves, and they won't remember you as well Good for as him. if you came in during a different time. Good for him because a lot of managers won't take the time to do that. That's actually the type of leader that if I was you, I would want to work for. If he's willing to give you that feedback in the moment, he doesn't. He has no investment in you at right. all, and guaranteed, your your uh, resume probably ended up in the garbage. Um, and, so, but he took the time to do that. So that's that's fantastic. So, so here's a few things that you can yeah. do. Um, actually, one other thing: you are not as important as you think you are to the hiring manager. Just plain and simple, you're not as important as you think you are. And so you have to find ways to be able to stand out. So here's some ways to stand out. Every company out there, or most companies out there, have a language that's their own. If you go onto their website, you can learn some of the key phrases and key things that are important to the company. So whether it be, you know, Save on Foods, they're really into um, helping children's charities or uh, Chipotle is really into uh, cultivating a better world. That's their, their uh, mission statement. And so it's all about sustainability and et cetera. Um, each company has that. They have a verbiage, a language, something. And what's really interesting is, is that, and I don't know if you know this or not, but subconsciously, if you and I are speaking the same language, there's a connection. I think you'll notice that in your school, I don't know the diversity in your school, but there's probably some diversity. Yeah. And you will notice that people will speak a language that is native and comfortable to them. Not only will they speak that language that's native and comfortable to them, they will hang out with those people more often yeah. than somebody who doesn't speak that language natively. This makes sense? Oh, yeah. Same thing with business. Same thing with companies. If you are speaking a language that I understand or that I'm already connected to, I assume that you are already part of this group. And so when you walk into an organization and you say, all right, um, I've done the research and they are really into, um, I don't know, pick, pick your company. They're, they're really, let's just use sustainability. Talk about sustainability. Use key phrases because there will always be key phrases on that website, work that into your language. Don't make it obvious. Like, you guys really like sustainability. <laughs> da, da, da. Okay, right. yes, but talk about animal welfare. Talk about this. Talk about that. Because then that build a connection between you and uh -huh. them. Yeah. Uh -huh. And then another thing from an unconscious or a, a subconscious level is, is that when you walk into an interview, always dress better than the person who's interviewing you. Always. 
don't walk in with a pair of jeans. I, I remember this years and years ago. I was a, a, a new manager at a restaurant and I had, it was striking, like because I was doing interviews that day and it was like back to back. First person that walked in, it was a family style restaurant. First person who walked in, he was a guy probably about your age and he was wearing a full suit, tie, you know, shiny shoes, everything. That was a little bit overboard. You know, I appreciate the effort though. Right after him, there's a guy who walked in, he had his hat on backwards, he had this old t-shirt on, he was wearing chains, he had his sunglasses on, and his jeans had rips in them and everything like that. And I mean, back in the 90s, it was, you know, your pants were hanging down below your butt and everything, and he walked in, and literally back to back, and he wanted a job for me. Neither one of them really truly understood the culture of the company. If you understand the culture of the company and you walk in there and you are dressed as good, if not better, than the person who's interviewing you, that says a lot. Again, you don't need to go overboard. I mean, look, if you're working in an office, great, show up in a suit or show up in a dress or a skirt or something like that. Fantastic. But, you know, even working at a, a fast food joint, put some effort into it. So those are a couple of psychological things to help. Yeah. Is that helpful? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot to take away from that. Yeah. And hopefully some of the people listening could get a job off those tricks. I hope so. Um, if you got the privilege of teaching a psychology class mm -hmm. in school, mm -hmm. how would you teach it differently than from classic people teach it, you know, in a classical uh, classic sure. way? That makes sure. Sense. And I don't, uh, I don't want to go, I, I did this, I made the mistake years ago of um, saying that a school district is teaching their people the wrong way. Um, and I did that in a public forum and uh, I was not very popular. So I want to be really careful with how I say this. Mm -hmm. I think one of the challenges is that um, to be able to understand psychology, you have to understand theory. You have to understand Freud. You have to understand Jung. You have to understand behavioral theory. You have to understand, um, you know, mental health. You have to understand the theory behind the practice. But one of the um, keys and tools that I always use in my seminars and the workshops and the, and the trainings that I do is I always try to make it real. Like, for instance, if you and I were talking about... Um, we'll just use one of Freud's things, uh, id, ego, and superego. What I would say, okay, you're nodding your head, so you're somewhat familiar with that. I would say, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go out and between now and um, next class, I want you to watch the way that you act. Mm -hmm. And you're going to have a little list here, and it's going to be id, ego, and superego. Because we all talk to ourselves. I mean, and, and that's, that's normal. I talk to myself all the time. And so as you're listening to those conversations in your head, is that your id speaking? Is that your ego speaking? Or is that your super ego? And then come back and share it and, and share those stories. So really when you're doing training or doing anything, make it as practical as you possibly can for people and make it real life. And then that way they tend to retain it. It goes back to the question that you had earlier about you know, telling stories, make it real. Make it real life, and people tend to listen and understand it a lot better. In one of your lessons that I watched on YouTube, um, 
it said, and I quote, leadership is about removing barriers and not focusing on numbers. Could you explain a bit about what that means to you and how a student could use this as a lesson? Sure. Let me think about that. Let me, let me explain what it means from a business point of view and then let me see if I can figure out how to apply it to a high school student. Um, I, years ago, um, I had a mentor of mine. Uh, I was sitting talking to him and I was like, you know, we need to cut costs here. We need to do this. And there's this whole set of things that we can do to be able to cut these costs. And this mentor said to me, Jay, you're focusing on the wrong decimal. So what does that mean? Well, when you look at, at business, it really is about numbers. It's about money um, and profitability. And I think that that's a mistake because what ends up happening is, is that if you focus on the wrong things, um, you miss the humanity. So what do I mean by that? You're an incredible person. I'm an incredible person. Every person who's listening to this has value to them. What ends up happening is that very often we are given a false sense of value. Either our parents tell us that we're wonderful, that we're great, that we can accomplish anything, or you know, our, our quote-unquote friends on, on social media, whether it be Instagram or uh, TikTok or whatever, all like, oh, this is so cool, you know, blessed life, hashtag blessed life. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get this false sense of, of reality of, of who we are. But there are things about you that are fantastic. They're amazing. And when you focus so hard on accomplishing a, a goal or getting to a destination, you miss the point. I posted something just this week, I think. Um, and, and I talked about it on a podcast that I did a few weeks ago with somebody. Um, I think the biggest mistake that people can uh, make in looking towards their future is ask, what do I want to be? I want to be a firefighter. I want to be a ballerina. I want to be a rock star. I want to be a politician. I want to be whatever it is. That's a mistake. And the reason is, is because if you look at most people who are successful, none of us, or very few of us probably, spent our high school years going, that's where I'm going. And that's where we ended up. Very rarely does that happen. Mm-hmm. For me... I, instead of choosing a destination, I chose a direction. I would strongly suggest that as a high school student, you don't need to pick a destination. Like, I want to be a lawyer. Okay, sure. But what happens if you don't get it? Are you going to be disappointed? Are you going to be hurt? Are you going to be depressed? I never, ever, ever thought I was going to be an organizational psychologist. Never. I never thought that I would be doing public speaking and going into companies and doing science and diagnosing. I never thought that. The only thing that I knew, and I think I said this earlier, is I just wanted to help people. That's all I knew. And what that's allowed me to do is that if you look at my career, I've been a dishwasher in restaurants. I've been a leader in restaurants. I've been a painter, like a house painter. Um, I worked in a slaughterhouse as a janitor. Um, I delivered newspapers. Um, I've worked 
uh, in governments. I've worked here. I've done, you know, I mean, I've, I've kind of bounced all over the place. But if I figured that this is my destination and there's a straight line to my destination, I would have been heartbroken so many times. Mm-hmm. So my suggestion to you is, is that, you know, and I'm speaking to you personally now, Matthew. Um, do you know what you want to be when you grow up? Not sure quite yet. That's why I'm having yeah, these conversations. Uh, maybe psychology. I was okay. thinking about that. Maybe finance. Okay. But we'll, we'll, we'll see where life takes me. Okay. And I think that's good. But what I would say to you is pick a direction. Why do you want to do psychology? What is it that's interesting? Why do you want to do finance? And don't ever, ever, ever do something for the money. I have to tell you right now, don't do something just for the money. I spent my first 30 years of my life, call it 35 years of my life, focusing on, I got to get money, I got to get money, I got to get money. I had a vision board. I had pictures of, you know, big, beautiful houses. I had my, you know, my, my uh, fast exotic cars. I had boats. I had planes. I had, you know, piles of cash, pictures of piles of cash. And I would focus on that and I'd focus on it every single day. And I, I knew if I focused on it that I could bring it into reality. Well, guess what? It didn't happen. Then I asked the question, why do I really want to help people? It's not for the money. It's because I remember what it's like not having anybody standing by my side going, Jay, you can do this. I remember that. And so I literally took that board and I remember this. It was almost symbolic. I took the board and I broke it over my knee and I broke it into a bunch of pieces and I threw it in the garbage and I slammed the garbage can down. And I started focusing on the why behind it. And it was my passion for helping people and and the amount of love. Well, guess what? I live in multi-million dollar home. Um, I drive exotic cars. I have a very nice bank account. I can go on a vacation whenever, wherever, however. Um, I have been truly blessed in my life. So this is a really, really roundabout way of answering this question. But my, my point on all of this is, is that as a high school student, don't decide what you're going to be. You don't have to right now. I mean, you can for sure. There's a lot of successful people who did that. Focus more on where do you want to go and what do you want to, what impact do you want to have in your life? And, um, yeah. Yeah. I guess that's the answer to the question. If you love what you do enough, um, you could always ex- expand on, on what you do. And that would obviously come in with an addition of money, but don't focus on the money aspect because that won't get you too far. No money, money. Honestly, if you focused on money, and this is what I was saying is that don't focus on the wrong decimal. And I think the wrong decimal is focus on making money. Don't focus on money as a high school student, focus on what do I enjoy and what am I naturally talented at doing? If we go back into your, we're about to end here. If we go back into your um, high school years, yep. did you have any special courses that your school offered? Um, I think um, something that I actually tried to start when I was in high school. And again, remember, I was not very popular in high school. 
um, I tried to start a peer mentoring program. And so what it was, was a place where people could come and sit and collaborate together and have almost a support group um, uh -huh. that would help them uh, feel included and feel part of things. Um, it never really took off, but that was something that I really, really wanted to be part of. My learning in life didn't necessarily come from school in high school. High school taught me the basics of how to study. Literally, that's what high school taught me and how to avoid getting punched. Um, that's literally what high school taught me. What, where I really learned was getting out there and doing the crap jobs. Just doing the stuff that just, you know, you're sweating and, and working so hard. And that's really where I learned how to be successful in life was getting out and doing stuff that I didn't want to do. Um, make, I guess I'm going back to what I was saying earlier. Um, make yourself uncomfortable because comfort is not a good thing. Hmm. So courses, no. I, I think everybody should take psychology. I think bar none, everybody should take psychology because uh, communication is, is absolutely critical in being successful. Um, so if, you're, if you've got a, a, a block open that you can take something, you know, got a spare, take psychology. Just understand how to communicate. I think that's a huge thing. What other courses do you suggest for students who have extra blocks to take? A lot of, a lo oh, sorry, a lot of my um, uh, people I've interviewed said that uh, finance would be a good course. Yeah. They also said that learning how to study would also be an amazing course. Yeah. So what, what, what do you think? Sorry, to yeah. you there. No, you're fine. Um, I, I agree. Learning how to set a budget. Um, I think, you know, in, in the old days we called it home economics and, and we learned how to, how to create budgets. Um, and, and finance is really important because a lot of people are afraid of money, uh, but when you understand that money's a tool, you can use it. So when you understand how to do that, that's really important. Um, I think, you know, another thing that I would really strongly encourage people to do is communication, conflict resolution, um, uh, courses, um, and also meditation, uh, learning how to meditate, learning how to self reflect, learning mm -hmm. how to self soothe. Um, because I think that that's something that a lot of people are missing today is the ability to go, I'm in a really stressful situation. I have tools to be able to help me calm down and focus and get my brain back on track. So that would be another thing that I think a lot of people should do. Mm -hmm. And I, I can't help but notice you have blue uh, glasses. Yep. Is that a psychological, like there was the reason that you got those blue, bright blue glasses was because it was psychological? Yeah, there's a few reasons around that. Um, so number one is, is that I just talked about meditation. One of the, you'll notice today that I'm wearing completely blue. This is not, not what I normally do, but I always wear blue. Um, I did this thing years ago. It's called guided imagery to music. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it's a form of meditation. And, and one of the uh, parts in it was to pick an energy that repre represented particular words that had impact for me. And so for me, it was strength, power, uh, calmness, uh, intelligence, and wisdom. And those were my kind of my words that I wanted to embed in my body um, and embed in my, uh, I'm, I mean, I'm not like, you know, this guru kind of a guy, uh, but 
uh, embed in my aura. And the color that came to me was just this really, really strong blue. Um, and so I try to wear blue every single day. Of some sort, I wear blue. Because when I wear it, it helps me feel those things. Um, uh, and then the other reason is, is that in my, uh, in my profession and, and, and what I do, I need to stand out. I need to be different. Uh, there are a lot of people out there who call themselves coaches and uh, consultants. Uh, I am different because I've got a lot of different experience uh, and so I have to stand out. So yeah, my glasses and my clothes, I could take you into my closet and you see my closet. <laughs> I have quite a, a, a repertoire of, of, of clothes in there um, and it's, it's very, very intentional. Yes, what you wear, the first impression is always the most important impression. So if you want to make a statement, do it intelligently, but be bold and make a statement in what you wear and how you walk, how you act, how you talk. Mm -hmm. Before we end off here, uh, do you have a favorite book or a favorite podcast? And this could be something that is beneficial for students um, or something that helped you, both a book or a podcast. Yeah, I'm trying to go back in my head of um, a book for students. Guys, I spoke to another Jay I had on my podcast, Jay Park. Yep. Uh, he is a big reader. He wrote many books. Yep. And he had multiple suggestions. Um, so uh, a, a lot of those suggestions are awesome books. Like one of the suggestions were, if I could just pull it up right here. Um, Here's one. Yeah. Got it. Um, I just I just popped open my, my Kindle here. Um, it's a book called The Power of Habit uh, by a guy named Charles Doug. Um, it talks about how to create habits. 80% um, of what we do in the day is habitual. So like for instance, do you know which sock you put on first in the morning, every single morning? Think about it. No. Tomorrow morning, you're going to put on your sock and you're going to go... I'm putting on my whatever, <laughs> right sock or left sock. Uh -huh. The next day you're gonna go to do it, try to put it on the other foot first. It feels weird. It okay. just feels weird, okay? Habits make up a massive part of our life. And if we intentionally create those habits, we can create what I call key behavioral uh, indicators, which are the behaviors that we need to do every single day to be able to reach our goals, to reach the destination, to reach the, the direction that, that we're taking. And so the power of habit really talks about what are habits, how are they created, how to create habits that are going to drive you towards success, and how to recognize your own bad habits and eliminate those. So the power of habit by Charles Doug. Is a, is a fantastic one. Mm -hmm. That would be one of them. Um, another one is called What Are Your Blind Spots? Um, and your blind spots are things in your life that uh, you do that you have no idea that you're doing. Um, and it's being mm -hmm. able to identify uh, personality traits, behaviors, actions um, that are just negatively impacting you and driving you away from happiness, success, um, and uh, things that are great in your life. I see. And any podcasts that you listen to? Um, I, I listen to a lot of leadership podcasts. Um, I watch a TED Talk every day. I go on to TED Talks and I watch TED Talks every day. 
Um, so that's what I would do is I would go on to TED Talks and, and they're only 15 minutes. So imagine starting your day every single day instead of getting on social media, which by the way, on average high school students stand between five to seven hours a day on social media. Wow. Yeah, five to seven. Um, that's the research that I've done. Um, imagine taking that and that ends up, by the way, being about just over three, about three and a half months, like 24 hours a day, three and a half months a year that a lot of people your age spend on social media. So take 15 minutes of that and watch something. Watch a TED Talk um, on whatever topic you want because there's a lot of people out there who are really, really smart um, and TED Talks is a great place to go. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Hopefully my listeners get off social media and spend those 15 <laughs> minutes to watch, learn something new because learning something new is always good. It keeps your brain working. Uh, if school doesn't do that for some, uh, TED Talks will. Thank you very much for coming on my uh, little podcast here. It was Welcome. a pleasure. Great. Thank you very much. Thank you.